Hello and welcome to episode 10 of season 2 of Leto Narrative Distance. I am Ross Payton. I am here with my two good co-hosts, Greg Solzi and James Wallace, and this is a backer curated episode. This is one of our backers, very generous backers of our season two Kickstarter. Thank you again, Christian Bickley. He previously asked us to talk about the Laundry RPG, which was a delightful uh, conversation because of our familiarity with our ga- uh, uh, of that, that game and its uh, uh, progenitor of that series, of that setting, I think will be an interesting episode because we're going to be talking about Planet Mercenary. Uh, which is a tabletop role-playing game uh, derived from the Schlock Mercenary webcomic. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, we'll, we'll, we'll explain a little bit about, about its context. To put it shortly, it is a comedic spa- military space opera role-playing game about being a mercenary in a uh, very space opera setting with like you know thousands of planets and many intelligent species and ranging over the galaxy, fighting wars, making a buck. And trying not to die, although that does seem to be near inevitability, given uh, the rules. (laughs) Your reach will exceed your grasp on that. Uh, Yeah. uh, Did did either of you manage to play this? No, I have been. Yeah, I've I've been busy lately. So I I was unable to turn a game, although uh, I do want to play it, uh, although sort of an adaptation. So. I have not. I've been aware of Schlock Mercenaries webcomic, but I've not read it. It is a webcomic that went on for twenty years, almost, I believe. Um, and they are still printing it. Yeah, it it, it began June two thousand, June twelfth two thousand, and ended in twenty twenty. So yeah, twenty years. Yeah. Uh, it won five. You got five Hugo Award nominations, but uh, I was l- reading up on this game and I read an RPG net review that said, oh, this you know what this would be great for this rule system running a game set in Warhammer 40K. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's a great idea. And I'll explain why later. But um, I do want to play, but I did not get a chance. Yeah. Yeah, right. I didn't get I didn't get a chance either. Unfortunately, logistics and, and friend groups simply didn't allow. Um and also, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest, I'm not familiar with Schlock Mercenary. I knew the name. I don't think I'd ever read it bar maybe one or two strips here or there. Um, and having read the role-playing game, I'm not quite sure I would be playing it the way it's intended to, because I think, first and foremost, I think it's a, a game that's it's very much set in the universe of the comic strip, and if you're not familiar mm-hmm. with the comic strip, you're not necessarily going to get the full impact of what the game is all about and how it should be played um mm-hmm. despite its its frequent um imprecautions that you should play it in certain ways and that uh it, it keeps exhorting you that this is going to be fun this is going to be a fun experience um and then there's an awful lot of quite dry rules and then it's but but have fun with it it's yeah i i just i couldn't put my finger on the tone that it expected people to to run it in. I may be getting ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that it cares about tone that much. It's this struck me as a game where they wanted people to play it, and that the set of rules they've got it is your basic tabletop role playing game, violence, action with a comedy twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the rules as written are. Rather simulationist with this 
mm-hmm. with a twist, uh, yeah. which is the Mayhem deck. And that any tone you want to play with is probably it can probably take that at least okay. If you wanted this to be like mash, that might take a little more doing, but I don't know that it would take a lot. Uh, I, I think that in most games, once the dice hit the table, the tone is going to be 90% from the players. Regardless, mm-hmm. I mean, system matters, but that the players are going to ignore or rush through the rules that don't work for the tone they want and they are going to dwell on and seek out the rules for the tone they do want. Think of the classic argument. I don't know if this is true. The argument I have heard is that the reason Vampire the Masquerade's early versions became such a highly politicized game was that the the combat system was not a lot of fun. And so people are like, it is a lot more fun to just threaten <laughs> violence than it is to actually do violence. And it's more fun to maneuver. And that feels more right for this than actually just fanging out on one another. So mm-hmm. this might be one of those games where if you come to it as this is going to be slapstick bullshit fun, it will be. And if you come to what to it as, oh, this is going to be a little more elevated and intellectual and mash-like, you could probably handle that too. Whereas if you set a a game and it's like, okay, this is definitely going to be elevated, highbrow humor, man, you can't make people do that. You can (laughs) enable it, but you can't create a text funnel where you put any group of players in the top and Frazier's most sparkling dialogue <laughs> pours out the bottom. That's not something that rules can do or should be expected to do. Yeah. Yes. And as an adjunct to that, I'm also going to say that you can't necessarily, or rather, it is very hard, um, and I'm supposed to have something of a reputation in, the, in this area, it is very hard to create a set of rules that will allow player characters, or players specifically, to be funny in the room to make jokes. I think Ghostbusters, which I continue to talk about and we'll talk about till I die, is probably mm-hmm. the very best example. What you can do is create a set of rules that will allow players to bust out laughing around the table. That's not necessarily the same thing, but feels like it is. James, um, have you ever played in space? I never have, no. You should give it a try. I that's what we should do is set up for one of the, you know, for one of the episodes where we play a game, we should play yeah. in space. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. I, I would love to. Yes. Do that. All right. Keeping there was track another t- game we, we were talking about. I don't remember it, but we need to go back and find that out because uh, there was another candidate for that. But yeah, I would definitely be keen to play in space. Uh, Keeping track of tokens would be hard, but not un- yeah. undoable. Um, problem. So yeah, it's aiming to be it's it's aiming to have you tell stories of people who take money to do violence, but mm-hmm. also they want this to be funny. And so it's going to be a little bit of an edgy humor and you know mm-hmm. there's stuff with the ablative meat rule that they talk about where it's like, "Oh, rather than have my player character die, I'm going to have one of these uh nameless soldiers or named soldiers 
that he has in his squad is going to take that hit. Yes, who he is commanding, who are under yes. his command specifically. No. Yeah. And uh, it's like, if Arc Dream had, <laughs> if Arc Dream had written this, that would be a moment of intense psychological trauma. And you would, you know, it's like, roll to wake up screaming his name. Okay. Whereas yeah. this one, he's like the hat in uh, Frontier Scum. No, it's true. It's true. Um, it, yeah. it is. Uh, they are. They're nameless. In fact, they have to. Uh, uh, the the grunts have to do something in order to gain a name. The player characters actually remember. I I do want to talk a bit about the the schlock mercenary webcomic because obviously this is the the. Uh, it was created by Howard Taylor and Howard Taylor. Um, you know, like I said, it started in two thousand. It only ended in twenty twenty. And um, they did the Kickstarter for this game in 2015, well into the development of this of this game, of this mm. setting of, the, of yeah. this comic and contracted out. Well, he basically contacted uh, Alan Barr, um, uh, the operator of uh, Gallant Night Games and the creator of the tiny D6 system, tiny dungeons, tiny frontiers. Tiny, there's a lot of tiny games. Um, and uh, it was sort of Alan's first major RPG work, but like Howard was like, I have this idea for some mechanics and I want you to implement them. And you know, there, there's some discussion about that. I think one of the interesting things about this and why the tone seems odd when you're coming at it for the first time is that this is a shock immersion is a generational work. It literally 20 years. This is a major part of, you know, the author, the, the, the original artist's life, Howard Taylor's he, you know, and it, it's been going on and I've seen this happen before. Like there, there are a lot of web comics that started in the early two thousands. You know, in the, the web one days. There's this sort of thing of being a, a single person creating a comic that has a daily or like runs three times a week on a website, and um, a lot of them would start as like comedic because you 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 imitate. They were sort of imitating the format of the newspaper strip, right? Like three panels, right. punchline at the end, a simple art. You're doing this day in, day out for years and uh, eventually and there's no editor. There's no one holding you back. So uh, as an artist, uh, they start experimenting like it's it's you just see it again and again and again. And they start like there's just it's now become a trope of like the web comic arc of like, oh, hey, we're just some funny characters just here to have a gag. Come visit us every day. And then like. Three years later, it's like, oh, no. Oh, look, this character. We're introducing new characters. And now we're having a topic. And now we're having a storyline. And then, like, another year later, it's like, and then it gets dark. Someone broke up. Someone dies, you know. And then there's time travel. And then there's, like. Oh, my God. This is, um, oh, what, what, what's the one I read is Dumbing of Age. Yep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, there's, there's any number of webcomics this is true for. Um, and so I, no, I have not read Schlock Mercenary. I'm not going to read 20 years of comics. I looked at a few of, I, I looked at just some random mm-hmm. ones and I'm like, I, and I hate to yuck someone's yum. Maybe mm-hmm. it was just that I was looking at the early ones, but they didn't seem that good. I, I was not impressed by the art. I was not impressed by the jokes. Um, you should, you should look at some of the later ones. And again, yeah. I will say it's, it's not my style of, of humor or it's got 20 years of backstory that I'm not yeah. picking up on, but the tone, the pacing, the characterization, the whole thing is, is just light years evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, Fascinating. It's, it's very, very different from where it started. Yeah. I read the first, first uh, few months 
in preparation for this, I was thinking, I am, I am not seeing this. This seems very broad and not polished. And this is somebody essentially trying out doing a webcomic for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you skip ahead 20 volumes and it's, oh, oh, wow, big ideas. Um, mm -hmm. but with the same undercurrent of we shoot people for money. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's, yeah. a, you know, like, like so many of these do develop and it also becomes the creator's job in, in yeah. a very major way. The mm -hmm. role-playing game raised over 300, the Kickstarter raised over $300,000. Reprint volumes for the, taking the strips and just doing a print volume version. The last one, last Kickstarter I looked at made $150,000. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good income. It's I mean, a, real it's yeah, a real and living. It's a real living. So my hat is off to anyone who can do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, no. And like, that's the thing. It's like the, this, this artist, he started doing that and then like they developed maturity or experience and they started mm. wanting to tell more complex stories and they started like, and like the fans went along with them, which doesn't always happen. There's a lot of times a, a web comic will, will take a abrupt shift or a shift and it loses its fan base. Um, but this one didn't. It's like the yeah. difference between license to ill and Paul's boutique. Ooh, very good. Yeah, very good. Um, and the other thing is it, whether we like it or not is almost irrelevant. As a comedian sure. over here, Stuart Lee, who I may have referred to, I don't think he's known in America really at all. But he said a few years ago that, you know, as an alternative stand-up comedian, gigging around the country, occasionally putting out a DVD or something, well, he's higher profile than that. But he says, basically, if you've got, what did he say? If you've got 5,000 fans and you can persuade each of them to give you 15 pounds a year, that's a living. Mm -hmm. Yep. You only need that 5,000 fans. So, and true fan theory. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. clearly, okay, one of my conclusions as I was reading this is I, the book makes more sense in context with the community around Schlock Mercenary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because yes. I'm looking at this and I'm like, did we need 350 pages of this? Especially since it could have been three, four, 348 if they pulled out every use of will. <laughs> <sighs> and I, I personally, and if they'd balanced their columns, they could probably have squeezed some more text in as well. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> if you're playing the drinking game, finish your drink now. <laughs> well, I think the thing is, uh, in terms of its theme, like, and so there's this evolution the of theme. Well, it's, uh, my point is like this 20 year story, this epic, this saga. Uh, and they start with a very simple, like, aha, three panels and a punchline, you know, and then yep. they evolve into this massive space opera exploring, you know, every, like, you know, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page and they're mentioning Dyson spheres and solar, uh, you know, a strong AI and, um, all these, you know, like, uh, big sci-fi ideas and mm -hmm. so it ends into this entire uh uh so like the book sort of reflects the beginning and the end of this story in that it's trying to be thematically you know uh, uh linked to the the, the webcomic source material so um there's a bit of incongruity there which creates a very unique vibe for the game uh your vibe is a scientific term but yeah it's like i want you to make a star trek game that is equally capable of doing lower decks and picard yeah yeah imagine yeah, yeah star trek just kept going and nobody was an editorial like it was just like whatever whatever i yeah. want you to make a marvel game that can do jessica jones the tv show just as well as squirrel girl the comics mm-hmm 
and and the Fantastic Four versus Galactus. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you create in uh, in terms of like, the, yeah, the book link, like, yeah, the, you mentioned the Kickstarter did very well. I looked at the Kickstarter page. They got quite a few stretch goals. So like the reason why the book is 350 pages is because the fans put their money where their, you know, where their mouth is and said, we want we want more stuff in the game. And so they gave them more stuff. There's a lot of weapons and armor and items and spaceships in like in uh, a lot of like uh and, and that's why the game, yeah. Yeah. I had never heard of Schlock Mercenary before I was asked to read Planet Mercenary, the role-playing game. <laughs> and having done this background research, I'm like, oh, it makes much more sense that this daily comic that got more and more complicated and deep as time went on mm-hmm. produced this spin-off role-playing game. This is clearly a game for schlock mercenary fans who game far 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 more (laughs) than it is a game for game fans curious about schlock mercenary that that is my commentary in the how people play it Mm -hmm. segment because i've i'd never heard of this game i'd never heard of anyone playing it i'd never heard of any actual plays or people talking about it yeah, yeah, I think it's it's very low profile within the community. If you look on Drive Through, I haven't checked in the last couple of weeks, but when I did check in order to get my copy, I think it's only at silver level on Drive Through, which means it sold less than two hundred and fifty copies. Which for something that took three hundred and fifty thousand dollars or very nearly on on Kickstarter is extraordinarily low for a game to have such a low profile. But well, it just seems weird until you look at it from the lens of it's for schlock mercenary fans who yes. are all following the comic who are all probably buying uh, on the facebook store as well well yeah. and so yeah the people who were going they did a, a clearly a wonderful job of getting anyone who would be interested in a schlock mercenary role playing game to back the kickstarter there was no one left to buy it after the Kickstarter, except a few people who were like, oh, man, how did I? I I'm sure all the Schlock Mercenary fans heard of it. So mm-hmm. there are some who are like, oh, well, you know, I was really skint when the Kickstarter was going, so I'll buy it from, uh, I'll buy it now. Or, uh, you know, I didn't, I, I'm not into this, but my buddies really are. They're running a game, so I'll buy the PDF of it. Bada bang. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's also, uh, um, yeah, I, I decided you reminded me, James, to look at the uh, uh, drive through uh, account for Hypernoid Media, which uh, released the game, and mm-hmm. they haven't released anything else. Like, it's just Planet, mm-hmm. Planet Mercenary, the game, Errata, Character Sheet, uh, Game Chief Secrets, okay, well that which is free. So, and they haven't uploaded anything. You know, the game was released in, like, 2017, and uh, they just made it a one-and-done thing. Uh, yeah, like why the, would they need to release more? Yeah, Alan Alan Barr has moved on to running his own company and his own game line, the Tiny D6 system, um, and uh, a couple other things. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. But the Howard Taylor, the the author of Shock Mercenary, is going to be spending like he's on volume seventeen of the print collection out of twenty. So like he's going to be spending the next three years like just getting this web comic into print. So, uh, cause I was kind of curious, like, what do you do now? You spent 20 years of your life doing a web comic. Uh, what do you do after that? And so uh, next three years, he's just re 
printing the comic or just printing it for the sure. first time. And then uh, I don't know what he's going to do after that, but like uh, I doubt they're probably gonna do else if, with this game. Yeah. What I hope here's my hope, mm-hmm. which I mean, you know, the old Italian saying about hope, which is hope in one hand, shit in the other, see mm-hmm. which fills up first. But my hope is that he takes a well-earned pause and rest and resets himself because I have to think that running a daily comic for 20 years is draining and exhausting. And it's like, dude, take a moment, step back, rest on your laurels, but rest. And then when you've taken a year or so and can't stand the thought of relaxing anymore and have to create (laughs) some more, then make something new. Yeah. What I'm worried he'd do is just like, well, I'm going to keep coming back to the schlock mercenary teat, even though it's played out because I'm creatively scared to do anything else. And I've seen that happen. And it's sad. I hope he reaches in a new, exciting direction that stretches him. Because if the, uh, if, as you say, the strip got really much more smart and deep over time, he's capable of growth. So, yeah, yeah, don't be scared to grow. Yeah. Um, But we should probably actually now focus on, like, what the game system does, because it Mm. does some interesting things. Yes, let's treat that Um, as the the prologue and move on to our regular (laughs) part one segment, what does the game do? Yeah. Um, Uh, Yeah, and it tries... A game that tries to be funny has issues. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's hard. It's a good trick to try. And the way I think it tries this is by knocking the players off balance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know. I think we've covered what it does. Uh, it, it seems to me like a very standard game of the probably a little earlier than 2015s. It's mm-hmm. very, it's like, okay, you know, we are going to emulate the physics of a of shooting a dude with a plasma gun and we but are going to emulate really the f- not not in a lot of mm-hmm. ways no because like um we we mentioned a little bit the mayhem deck and, and we'll get into more of that well yes yeah. that that's the twist but that there's a lot of narrative twist yeah there, there's a lot of narrativism in this in that they're like mm. you don't even play um one person per se you play an officer with three squad grunts under your command and so that's well, with a like, fire team and then a yeah. bunch of grunts under them. Yeah. It's, so, it's, yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of light, which is, a, you know, uh, and there's a lot of like rules to discover or to determine like how you uh, manipulate them and use them to your advantage. And like we mentioned, the ablative meat shield rule. Um, so I, I, I mean, it's not really simulations in the way that like Phoenix Command is. Like it has a lot of rules yeah. for guns and stuff like that, but like they're not like, um, this is how plasma weapons actually behave. This is just like, oh, it does this. We just like lots of rules modifiers. It's it's true. It It's not straight simulationist. There was a while where I was going, this is just a war game without the hex grid. Um, mm. And there's actually a point where it goes, oh, we're not one of those games. We don't actually have movement rules. You just, you just say where you're moving and the GM says that that's okay. But there are, the trouble with doing a light narrativist game, which is where an awful lot of the humor games come from mm-hmm. is that um this has got an awful lot of rules an awful lot of structure and the moment you start putting in rules 
stopping to think about rules, stopping to remember, stopping talking about dice modifiers mm-hmm. gets in the way of that. And humor mm-hmm. is about speed and pace, you know, tone and pacing and the zing. And the moment you're going, oh no, but plus two, and oh, he's in cover. It all blocks that out. You've yeah. de-zinged it. You've yeah. de-zinged it. And this is a book that, I mean, almost literally the opening paragraph is, this will be fun. With this book, you and your friends will create adventures that you will laugh about for years to come. Fucking hell is my notes to myself. Setting <laughs> yourself a high bar. That's, it, it's front and center. It says, this is a humor game. Not, this is a simulations game with humor. This is a humor game. This is a, a but then as you say, there's a lot of rules in there. And it makes the, what I think is a cardinal mistake of, it felt to me like a game from the mid-90s, and a lot of games were, were doing this then. They're putting, they don't, when you describe a skill or something like that, you include special rules for the skill and tables for the skill in the rule book, which means you are constantly having to refer mm-hmm. back to the rule book in play. And this is one way of getting everybody in the group to buy a copy of the rule book. But at the same time, it stops yeah, the flow baby. of yeah. play. And if you don't have flow, you don't have humor. Uh, well, we should explain the, uh, um, the, the, the core mechanic because it's an interesting system. Um, the core mechanic is uh, rolling 3d6 and adding modifiers to hit a target number. I think like 10 or 15 is the average. Um, and, uh, but you have three yeah, of the 3d6 you have, one of them is different than the others. And uh, if that, if the, that number on that particular die, the mayhem die, is higher than the other two dice, and it's a successful roll or part of a graduated skill check, which is like an ongoing thing. Like you have to do make multiple rolls to to get a cumulative target number. Uh, then you you get mayhem, and mayhem is drawing a card from a one hundred and two card deck, um, and you can add in your own cards. They give you some blank cards do that and the, these are like critical so they these are a mix of critical hit and critical failures and just role playing things all mixed into one some of them really help you some of them really hurt you some of them are minor some of them don't apply given what you're whatever you know if you're making a diplomacy check it says oh your guns unloaded well that doesn't matter does it but um so the game de- so one third of successful skill checks are going to result in drawing a card in some random event happening in the is game. it is it one third? I would think it would be less than one third because the mayhem die has to be higher than both the other dice. Yes. Well, okay. Um, yeah, I just assumed out of three dice, you know, there is a one in three chance of it being the highest because there are three. It's uh, probably closer to less than one in six. Okay. Quick, someone ask Chat GT- GTP or GPT, <laughs> whatever. It'll yeah. it'll give us a convincing but wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, if you ask it, what are the odds of this? It's just going to say you're dead, James. You died in 2012. <laughs> Very probably. Yeah. Um, it's the Jacob's ladder moment. I am an English major. <laughs> in my defense, um, not a, not a math. Major, we, so. We're all English majors here, Ross. <laughs> oh, That's why we do we write games with so many rules with math and numbers. Because um, <laughs> we're English majors and. Mm, masochists mm-hmm. my degree was actually called modern english yeah what what i was going to say about the mayhem thing uh, uh, did we get onto the cards the mayhem cards yes well okay we're we're talking about and th- this is the big mechanical twist they're, they're chance cards they're the community chest out of uh, you know random stuff happens something unexpected might be something good maybe something bad um 
yeah, and, and you don't know. And it's a fun mechanic. People like the unexpected. They like drawing cards. This game came out in 2018, which was almost exactly the same moment that the Paranoia reboot that I worked on came <laughs> out, which also used a dice that you, a, a special dice D6 that you rolled every time. It was also a D6 system. Mm. Every time you rolled the dice, you rolled another dice with it, which we called the computer dice. But that was very simply a one to six. It was the ghost dice from Ghostbusters. We ripped it off with permission from Greg to okay. Um And the idea is the six is replaced by a symbol of the computer. You roll it. If the computer comes up, it doesn't mean that you succeed or fail. What it means is the computer gets involved, um, which in paranoia. Translation, you fail. Pretty much, or, or life gets interesting really fast. Um, and we also had a card-based combat system. We kept the two separate. We didn't have the card, the dice springing onto the cards. So two things we kept very simple. We did think about doing a more sophisticated dice mechanic, but we went, no, simplicity is good. You need to look at the dice and immediately know if you've succeeded, if you've failed, if you're in trouble. Um, and for the cards, our cards were almost entirely... Game, uh, game world effects, they were, or narrative effects, there were some stat effects. Almost all the cards in the Mayhem deck are stat effects. They are game system effects. They are bonuses. They are modifiers. They are numerical results. There's very little that actually changes what's happened in, in the world, uh, other than you succeeded, you failed, you did a bit better, you did a bit worse. And that, I was so disappointed by that. I thought, um, I'm not. I should say, two games with similar, I mean, similar intentions, paranoia, again, dark science fiction, aiming for, aiming for humor, lots of violence, similar mechanical systems. I'm not accusing anybody of ripping anybody else. This is simply parallel development in, mm -hmm. in a, a quite interesting state. James, would yeah. it be possible? I mean, given how long it takes to write a three, write and play test a 350 page role playing game. It is. N I don't think it's possible that they could have ripped you off. It no, would have no, taken them five years to rip you off. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, we had playtest versions of the rules floating around, you know, playtesters all over the world. I'm sure they did as well. Um, yeah, but there's... I don't, yeah. But the thing is, the systems are sufficiently different and different in intention and execution that it's absolutely clear to me that this is just a coincidence. And I think it's really interesting to look at why they went the way they did in a game that we've already said, is leans towards the mechanical side. I think they, they looked at the deck and they didn't take that big jump into, you know, um, an example of one of the paranoia cards is suddenly knives. You play it and suddenly you've got a knife. Maybe you found it under a piece of furniture. Maybe you remembered it was in your pocket. Something like that. Whereas a typical schlock mercenary one is, and this is the moment I discover that I closed that tab on my... Give one to the team. Choose a skill or speciality. Remove one point from that skill or lose that speciality. Your fire team gains one skill point. I was ah. going to suggest that every 10 minutes uh, of this podcast, we should just draw <laughs> a random card. Okay. Uh, what did I get? I, I didn't shuffle them. Let's mm -hmm. see. I get Carmageddon. Upgraded success. Unfortunately, there must be balance. The next player to roll suffers a minus five penalty. Mm. So yeah, it's a lot of and and it's not my noblest response was man, I just don't want to roll three d six and do basic arithmetic anymore. Um, I mean, it's fine. 
lots and lots of games based around roll some dice, add them together, add a bunch of modifiers, aim for a TN. It's it's not a radical new technology, and I don't think they wanted or aimed for a radical new technology. But when you are giant nerds and in the top 10 percentile of game nerd <laughs> aesthetes, which we ser- which you certainly are if you are listening to this podcast or on it. <laughs> yeah. It's Fair. it's going to take more to to get your juices flowing than that. And the Mayhem deck, I'm like this is neat. This is a neat idea and I can see how it would work that okay, yeah. You know about some percentage of the time shit's going to get weird and mm-hmm. you are all GM and players alike going to have to deal with this other chaos agent that is this deck. And you know, I've talked before about the three corners of a game are the GM, the players, and the randomizer. Mm-hmm. And so this is this game with its 3D6 plus skill versus target number is mostly a randomizer of how well or not you will do the thing you're trying to do. And it dog legs off part of the time into how do things change or get wacky when you uh you know, when you succeed and it's narrative and that I, I can see how that would feed comedy because yeah. comedy at the table often arises when you have to deal with the thing you did not expect, which I, mm. as a GM, the classic example is, oh, I'll just seduce the orc guardian. Natural 20, baby. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the cards are, um, you know, one of the ongoing themes of the book is the the maxims of maximally effective mercenaries, which is very much a riff on like Murphy's laws. Right. And Mm -hmm. so these cards are like a way to say, well, of course you succeed. But Murphy's law or, you know, I remember Maxim 18 of whatever uh, you're there's just going to be some unseen complication you didn't know of. So uh, so I think there's that. Uh, in terms of the theme, that's why they wanted this mechanic in there. But also, I think on a practical level, like in this game, actually, we can sort of we we actually do have a blog from Alan uh, where he talks about the uh, a retrospective of Planet Mercenary RPG, and he says the first meeting I had was on September uh, that September 2013 when I talked to Howard at uh, a game store about how I would do a, a plant, you know, a, a schlock mercenary role playing. 2013, you know, Kickstarter has been around for several years at this point. And um, I think in part, like they're like, well, if we can have a deck of cards, that's an add on for the game. And that's something else we can sell. I think, you know, it's like and having gimmick dice. I think a lot of games Kickstarter has changed how people make games and how what what sort of mechanics in there. Like, oh, we can have these you add-ons. wait. You really you yeah. really think that something as integral to the system as the Mayhem deck was a Kickstarter started life as a Kickstarter perk. Well, I, I I think not maybe, but like, you know, you look at what other people are doing, you know, what's the state of the art in game design. Like, you know, in the 2010s, I think a lot of people started experimenting or like adding in, you know, special dice um, or dice with special faces or uh, decks of cards as mm-hmm. add-ons for the game. And I think they just was like, well, logically, why, why don't we do this? And we could do something even cooler with it. Um, so uh, that again, entirely, 
a theory, but I think um, a lot of RPG. I see a lot of RPGs now that rely on dice. You know, oh, we have dice, and you roll a six or a one, you get a special thing. And like, guess what? We have dice that are marked, so you you can read the symbols. <laughs> you know, we have decks of cards for all these effects, and we have this, and we have that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Dice and yeah. I, I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm like, you know, the production of cards and dice has gotten cheaper Mm -hmm. and it can be a crass cash grab but it also can be we have removed the constraint of having to rely on Mm -hmm. strictly numeral numerical dice and i think it's a good idea i think this was like it's a i i like this implementation in theory i i mean i do agree with you i think that the the game is too fiddly with modifiers and uh, um, it gets restrict, which restricts the flows of play in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I, I, but again, I haven't played it, so I don't know for sure, but like, I, I like the mayhem deck as an idea. Like if it was a rarer thing or like maybe, um, because they have actually a meta currency in this game, role playing points or rips, I think, uh, or RPPs mm-hmm. and, uh, which operate a lot like fate points and you can use them for yep. a lot of different effects. But like a meta currency. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. So why not synergize that with the mayhem cards and say like, you can get a RPP point if you draw a, uh, mayhem card or like, well, you know what these remind me of something like that. Just as you say that is whimsy cards. Remember those Mm -hmm. back from like lion rampant back when we were all in our twenties and our joints were filled with fluids uh, so I literally came across my original Whimsy Cards deck at the weekend, clearing out the shed. I'm getting a new desk, um, which I, I killed on eBay. I got for a one-tenth of its retail price on eBay. I am very pleased. But going through an old box of stuff, those are just this cards, just cards from random games. I was, what the hell are these? These look like they were put together very cheaply on a, oh my God, it's Whimsy Cards. Um, mm-hmm. Having said that, I... They were prompts. I mean, they were GM prompts, basically. In a, I would say the first of the kind. I think. um, Yeah. I can't remember anything. And they were all what I remember of whimsy cards uh, from playing them in Jonathan Tweet's old Over the Edge game, um, and and Arzmagica games was uh, the way we played with them in uh, in Over the Edge, which before it was even called Over the Edge. Was you got three of these at the beginning, and they these are cards that are all narrative effects. There's no mechanical shit on these because they're for whatever game you're playing with. So it's and it's stuff like the one I remember is someone falls in love, and you know, or so it's it's all stuff that's narrative. It's not nothing mechanical. No, like and the you way, get a bonus, they get a penalty. Yeah, yeah. It was and the way we played it is okay if you you've got three of these. And if you use it to make things easier for yourself, that's great, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. If you use it to make the game more interesting for someone else, then you get to draw another card. Mm-hmm. And so it's constantly like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to have the the taxi cab driver become sexually obsessed with your character because I want a new card that might save my ass later when the Kirgillians are trying to stick something into my skull. Yeah. It was extremely fun, 
but brutal. It was yeah. it was player versus player at its finest. And, and if Schlock Mercenary had, or if Planet Mercenary had had uh, narrative effects on the Mayhem cards, it would have felt a million times different. It would. I mean, have been they do. Very, some of them do. Uh, like, some of them do. Some yeah, of them yeah. do. Like somebody uh, just like, earned a nickname. They won't let you forget this. You may now assign your character a nickname based on recent events. If you already have a really good nickname, you may assign it to another player or their character. Whatever. So, like, yeah, they do. Um, but uh, it, let's it's all see. mixed up. Yeah. Um, you may spend a rip to bring back one grunt lost as a blade of meat. If your explanation of his or her return is good enough, you can earn the rip back. And okay, and every card has a quote on it. Mm-hmm. So uh, something I'd like to mention about this is that this game is baroquely designed. I want to say there is a density of detail. Everything mm-hmm. is encrusted with setting detail, which I admire. Yeah, it's thickly thought out. One of the things I liked best reading the the book, and I did I I did not do a thorough deep read of all 350 pages mea culpa. Yeah. I do but, like the, uh, Greg Stolze card shuffling ASMR, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do. Yeah. You, that's a good point because, um, the, uh, the game is designed as an in-world document and there are notes left over from the fictional staff of the game. Uh, so the, again, like the Dresden Files RPG, um, and several, and like yeah, the if laundry. You, if you read the sidebars, there's yeah. like a corporate putsch going on mm-hmm. in the sidebars. Yeah, and yes. I thought the descriptions of what's going on in the solar system and what's going on in this solar system, you know, the Earth solar system, this other alien races solar system, this one here, this. It was all deep and detailed, and mm-hmm. clearly someone had given tremendous thought. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure this is this is the virtue of basing something off of an intellectual property that has been coming out daily for 20 years. You have a lot of ground to mine, mm-hmm. and the impression I, I I'm because again when I looked at Schlock Mercenary, I'm like okay. There's a fart joke. Okay. Setup, setup, punchline. Okay. Uh, but I'm thinking, I'm like, it's possible that if you read enough of these, if you read two months of these, then like one of those old magic eye stereographic images, suddenly behind the individual setup, setup, punchline strips, you get this glimpse into a deeper setting where all this stuff is going on and where there are all these factions and questions about science fiction technologies and how they change things and AI and and mm-hmm. machinations and all of this. And I'm like, uh, did I just not read enough of it to get out of the fart joke matrix and perceive the reality of the deeply imagined setting behind that? Because the deeply imagined setting is definitely in the book, in the chapters, the lengthy chapters about different solar systems. So it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, two months out of a 20 year run is yeah, not, not, not a big uh, impression. 
Um, I would also say the art of this book is excellent. Uh, it's very good science fiction, and it's not the web comic artist. Uh, they they uh, uh, got a different artist for this. So, mm. I mean, you gotta figure if this poor fucker is putting out a <laughs> daily comic strip, he's not gonna have time to do shit for the game. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's very I mean, fun, cartoonish kind of look for the art, and I liked it. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and you know things. Like, uh, I think it is it all the spaceship. The spaceship designs have art, you know, so they're, they're all illustrated. Not quite all, but a lot of them. Uh, yeah. Almost, yeah, a considerable number. And there's a lot of spaceships in here. Mm -hmm. oh, there's my, a lot I mean, of spaceships. There's, there's a lot of guns. There's a lot of planets. There's a lot of armor. There's a lot of, lot of. Yeah, stretch goals, it, man. Yeah. It struck me as one of those games where you actually, not unlike the Warhammer hobby, have I blathered about this before, the Warhammer hobby, the four parts, the four. You yeah. have. Yes. But go you, again, James. You know you want to. Yeah. A, Warhammer is built on four things, which is acquiring the miniatures, modifying them, painting them, and playing the game with them. And the fourth part has to exist, but most people are, are mostly occupied with the three, the first three parts, with the promise that at some point you're going to play the game with, with the miniatures. This felt, um, Planet Mercenary felt to me like a game where you're going to spend a lot of time putting stuff together. This is a, there's an awful lot of joy in assembling your fire team, assembling your character, assembling your character's gear, assembling your spaceship. There are huge mm -hmm. amounts of rules for all the bits that you can build into your spaceship. It's like if you remember Car Wars, building the cars in Car Wars. I remember was, Car Wars. It was so much fun. And again, if you're, if you're a lonely teenager, um, doesn't matter how many people there are around you, you can still be lonely. Hey. Um, and hey, like, now, James, I, James, 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 <laughs> James, let's not say wind. anything we, Fraud let's not Fraud say, let's, yeah. let's um, not say anything we can't take back, James. <laughs> so, yeah, but you could play Car Wars on your own quite satisfactorily by just designing cars and imagining mm -hmm. how much fun it would be to play the game. And then eventually you did and discovered half your designs were absolute shit or everyone else had yep. done them already. It didn't yep. matter. I think... Planet Mercenary is something, it's one of those rare role-playing games you can have quite a lot of fun just on your own building stuff within the context this of was, in the book. Well, oh, back in, back in the days at um, AEG, we called this squidding, uh, and it was based on the behavior of trading card enthusiasts, uh, yes. where... Because they would, he's like, yeah, you, you see them look at the cards and it's suddenly like they've grown six more arms. And they're like, I want this, 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 and this is going in. And, da, 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 da. and you just are building decks is you, you back in those days, you spent more time building decks than you ever spent playing uh, Magic the Gathering or Legend of the Five Rings or whatever trading card game you were playing. Mm. You know, um, Actually, you know, one RPG this does remind me of uh, is the old uh, Western Star Wars systems uh, in that I think this is actually going uh, a lot of Schlock Mercenary fans are going to value this book as a encyclopedia of the setting. Like, mm -hmm. and I yeah. think, you know, that's obviously what happened with the Western Star Wars system is that, you know, Lucasfilm just handed those RPG books to people writing novels and other and video games and other things. So yeah, here's here's more about what Star Wars is besides the yeah. films. And this so I think somebody yeah. mentions in passing, here's 128 pages on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is this is clearly a schlock mercenary game. 
yeah. more than it is a schlock mercenary game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's, I don't, because we haven't, we're not canonical with the strip, we haven't read the whole thing, we don't know all of, of it. I would suspect there's new stuff in there. There's ships and guns that haven't appeared in the strip, but I am absolutely certain that every gun and ship that's ever been mentioned in the strip is in the game. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised. Uh, I mean, the, the 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 game finally came out in 2017. The, the strip ended in 2020. So probably not that much. It probably has the majority of stuff. I th- you know, we haven't mentioned a couple other uh, mechanics. We, well, we kind of mentioned them, but we need... Uh, one thing about the role-playing points is there's no rules on when for the GM to give them out, just except frequently. And they actually carry over between sessions, although there is a cap of five, uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting. A little different than fate points, I think. Fate's a little better, guaranteeing you always have at least a fate point when you start the game. Uh, but the other thing is the grunt, like, um, and that's sort of a, a really important tenet of the game. Each PC controls an officer who has a fire team of three grunts under their command, and you stat out the grunts very simply. They have like one skill, and they they're treated as one sort of entity. It's like XCOM. Yeah, yeah, it's like everyone's yes. got their own little XCOM squad going on, and if like something bad happens to your character and you have a rip. Uh, point you can spend it to have the the grunt take the the attack and then it's literally a coin flip whether the grunt lives or dies and if they live then they get a name they get increased stat bonus otherwise you get a uh new person to replace that member of the fire team or a new grunt Um, although there is a penalty if someone in your own fire team is killed you get the proby quality which is seems to go against that oh it's it, it doesn't matter if one of your Grunt dies. They're replaceable, but you know, and I, I, I think this is an interesting, like, you know, it reminds me a bit, obviously, of Dungeon Crawl Classics, the the peasant funnel where every player gets a squad yeah. of four peasants. <laughs> you and your peasant funnels. They are so fun. They are the like some of the most fun I've ever had in role playing games because everyone, okay, well yeah, that yeah, yeah. that's that's the other game we should play <laughs> that we should play the Merkborg. Peasant funnel, and that'll be another one the three of us. Well, play yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, so yeah, it's it's a very fun thing. So yeah, I would like I like this in theory, but I think again it's a little crunchy uh, in how it's implemented. That the, the 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 grunt squad is like one thing you should just integrate it into your character sheet and make it part of your character sheet. I don't know. I I, I like the idea of theory, but I, I the way I read the rules, it seems a little clunkily clunky in how it's implemented. Um, also, there are just way too many skills for a game that's supposed There's to be There's a lot of skills. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of skills. There's like 40 skills, and you, you only have like 20 points to allocate between them, and they can go up to plus nine each, I think, something like that. I don't know. It's uh, I really like some of the ideas in this, and I think if there was a streamlined version of this rule set, I would, like a generic sci-fi rule set of this, I would... I could see running this in the Warhammer 40k setting where you're all like Imperial Guard officers and you have your grunts and you're trying to, you know, protect your planet from an orc invasion or whatever. Because like Warhammer 40k goes from like, you know, very serious grim dark thing to Black Adder, but with lasers, <laughs> you know, very easily. Um, and if I wanted to do a Black Adder style game, I would I would something fitting this description would be a good choice. Um, let's see. I'm seeing a review for Tiny Planet Mercenary. Yeah, I that's a thing. I found that as well, but I haven't been able to find the actual rule set for Tiny Planet Mercenary. Yeah, I cannot I cannot actually find where you can download Tiny Planet Mercenary. 
Uh, maybe it was only sent to backers of that Kickstarter. The question that came to me I, at first, my first question with this when I was reading it is, why is this 350 pages? And the answer is, it's for fans of the comic who may not be gaming and who want to have an encyclopedia of the setting and who put their money where their mouth is and said, give me more details, give me more details. And it, to the credit of the authors, they wrote those details well. Mm-hmm. I, I found this very readable Except for the future tense usage. <laughs> and, you know, and parts of it are very funny. I mean, every now and then they'll slip in this joke like, yeah, you may die, but it doesn't take an action. And I'm like, okay, that's a good joke. That shit is funny. <laughs> but it is not meant to be a thin, simple, streamlined, do the hell out of one thing game. It is meant to be like it is meant to be a licensed product. It is meant to take people who maybe have never played a role-playing game before and attempt to give them everything they need and to become their favorite system and to become a walled garden where they started because they were interested in Schlock Mercenary, but you know, it it feels like this has ambitions to be like, this is the only game you'll ever need. It's got all this, it's got everything statted up. And yet at the same time, I'm like, wait, different vehicles don't have different speeds? But I mean, there's a lot of good ideas well presented. And not everything is a good idea well presented. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's fascinating for me because, again, web comics that have such a long archive or such a long successful run uh, uh, built such an established world and a fan base. It's very interesting to sort of peer into the middle of it without like enti- without the context, right? Like you're just like, oh wow, you you uh, you all really got into this, huh? And uh, made something of it. And um, I mean, you could tell there's like a lot of love for the setting, a lot of appreciation for it. I mean, this was written just by um alan and howard uh along with sandra who does the business and production end of it um according from what i have read uh but the the impression i get i'm like sandra must be really something any any small gaming company that could get her to do their shit would probably be a middle-sized gaming company within a decade Mm -hmm. that's my theory Mm-hmm. based on this and based on the run of Schlock Mercenary. Yeah, I believe it says on the website it was her who convinced Howard to to basically do it full time. Um mm-hmm. it was uh it was at her pre- pressing that the whole thing became this this enterprise. Uh not to say empire. It's 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 a fascinating game to look at because they did it well. They did a, you know, it's it's a complete game. It has interesting like it would have been so easy would have been so easy to take like a D20 system or some other OGL system. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was my question. I'm like, why is this not D20? Yeah. Why is it not D20? This yeah. is one of the things where I'm like, yeah, I mean, this is what D20 does real well. And everybody here and on the planet of the apes is familiar with it. But they're like, no, we want to do our own thing. I mean, it would not have been hard to install the the Mayhem deck on 
a D20 system, but they're like, no, we want to, we want this to be a bespoke system that's its own thing and that's unique. And I'm like, well, if you wanted it to be its own thing that was unique, it could have been a lot uniquer. I, I have a theory about why it's D6 based. Uh, it's Traveller. Traveller was D6 based. Oh. And Traveller is the ur-grandfather of all hard science fiction combat-based role-playing games. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, I was reminded of Traveller in tone more than once as I was reading through this, the assumption that you get a ship, for example. Mm -hmm. it's, and the, kind of the planet-hopping style of it all is very Traveller-inspired. And it wouldn't mm -hmm. be the first you know, role-playing mm -hmm. game, or indeed the first science fiction franchise, or indeed the first comic strip to have taken its, uh, its main draw and main themes from and ideas from Traveller. Traveller, again, a lot of the aliens were kind of anthropomorphized human, uh, earth animals, um, you know, uh, whether they'd been uplifted or whether they simply, oh, they just happened to look like lions. It's, yeah, it's, if you like Traveller, I'm not going to necessarily say that you will like uh, Schlock Mercenary or Planet Mercenary, but you will find resonances in, in here. Uh, I think this is like a game for people who grew up reading sci-fi, just devouring sci-fi novels and never stopped. You know, like yeah. the golden age of science fiction is when you're 12, right? Like that's the quote. <laughs> and like, but for some people that never stopped and like they just kept reading. And so like, if you know what the word Sofant is and you're like, ah, you're like, this is the, this is a game that maybe you should check out the webcomic and get past more than the first year <laughs> to see if it really clicks for you. Yeah, the use of language is interesting. It's it's almost Gygaxian at times. There's Sofint all the way through. It uses the word material. And the first time I saw it, it went, uh-oh, typo. No, material spelt with an E instead of an A. at the before. That's the an Americanism, James. It's, yeah. it's uh, militarism. It's specifically yeah. about military Tomato, gear. tomato. Yeah, yeah. Ex exactly. But phrases, phrases like um, a, an actual sentence, to operate gravity guns, you must devote an entire mil-spec Annie plant to running them. It's, it's almost mm -hmm. needlessly Baroque, mm -hmm. but in a way that draws you into its world. You want to understand what this stuff means. I want to know what the fuck a mil-spec Annie thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. is. Yeah. I want to know. Tell me, game. Reveal your secrets. For the record, I believe that's a military spec antimatter plant. Um, yep. But oh, okay. yeah, uh, I I mean, that's the thing is like they did like this. Like I said, this is way better than a lot of games. This is they could have gone the, the easy route and just done a D20 modern or D20 derived thing. Um, hell, they could have made it fifth ed compatible. And like, I mean, yeah. we you can always say it could have been a piece of shit. Well, no, 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 I mean, no but it, like they but went above and beyond and then they didn't do anything with it afterwards. Like they could have like, cause they were so focused on the webcomic. And again, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's uh, Howard and Sandra's like business. And so like, they only have so much time uh, and they got it. They haven't even finished printing out the comic, but like, I hope when they're done, maybe when they're done with the comic, maybe they can like take this RPG and, and do, I don't know if a new edition for it, but like, expand on it I don't or know, something. man yeah. where do rpgs hit a point of diminishing return this is their player's handbook for D. &D. Yeah. i mean the the watsy has made it clear ts uh, you know uh, hasbro has made it clear 
We are in the business of selling players' handbooks, and everything else is just marketing. So why would they push this? They made their score. Anything else after this is just going to be less money for the same amount of toil. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone might do it for the love, and God bless them if they do. But if this was meant to be primarily, if this, if this was the result of primarily a business decision, yeah, just let it be abandoned where the people who will play it will play it. What this made me question is, so given a choice between a good business decision and a good creative, artistic, dare I say, decision, are those always the same thing? And obviously the answer is hell no. Sometimes they are. Thousand-year-old vampire was an amazing artistic decision that just happened to turn out real profitable. Mm. But I feel like this was someone's like, you know what I'd like to do is eat. (laughs) I would like to be able to afford to put food on my table and maybe buy some new shoes and put gas in my car. And how can I do that by creating a role-playing game? And Most people who create role-playing games do not get to the point where they're making enough money to consistently gas up their car. And that's fine. You know, Itch is all the richer for having these gestures of love of the form that make somebody enough money for a steak dinner one time and stick with one person who says this was a really interesting and and a fascinating experience, and I love it. But it does not have any meaningful capitalist impact. Whereas this was like, okay, we got to aim for the middle. We got to aim financial center mass of gaming, and we will we will change it up and do as much interesting stuff as we can do without alienating our audience. So they went that, I feel like they went that far and no further, and they knew what they were trying to do and did it. And, you know, I can't read anyone's mind, so I don't know. But that's the the takeaway I have from this book. Hmm. I could be full of shit. I mean... For me, I think this is like a, if any, more than anything else, a love letter to the fans of Shock Mercenary. It's like, and remember, they didn't start this, like they'd been doing the webcomic for 13 years when they started development on this. And so like, and they didn't come out for four years. So um, this is, and the fan base was there the entire time, uh, uh, very rapidly, uh, I would say rapidly, but very passionately uh, uh, supporting this 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 comic the setting in this game and i think this is like look we're gonna knock we're gonna make the most detailed rpg of the setting and something that is uh we're just gonna focus on the theme of the comic itself so you can do the most schlock mercenary rpg you can ever have um because you love the setting and these characters so much here it is here's the schlock here's the platonic ideal of schlock mercenary and role-playing game format and um, and it, they then they just kind of like, all right, we did it. Now we're going to move on. I mean, okay. Yeah. yeah, the question is, would you like it better if they're like, okay, 
Let's milk this cow. Let's put out splat book after splat book. Let's do a bunch of adventures that have a meta plot. Man, people don't like that either. I mean, maybe the slot there's, mercenary there's, crowd. I mean, like Star Wars did a lot of cool world building in their books uh, in the West. Star Indies. Wars think- also yeah. has done a lot of stuff where I'm like, there. This just feels like a milk toasty, watered down, Disneyfied uh, methadone to the original trilogy. This is this is methadone to Empire Strikes Back's heroin. I don't know if I've said this before. As far as I'm concerned, there is one Star Wars movie. It is called Star Wars, and everything else is fan fiction. <laughs> and I will die. Empire Strikes that. Back is better than the original. Oh, Empire I'll... Strikes Back is half a movie. <laughs> Fuck you, James! Oh, 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 sorry, that just slipped out. Oh, no. It's okay, I'm happy with that. Um, <laughs> I was going to say something. I Yeah, I agree. I don't think splat books and, and you know more information on solar systems and galaxies and interesting black holes would have worked. I think what would have worked for the fans, and I think for the game as well, is narrative stuff, is scenario books and campaign mm. books and stuff, and stuff that tells stories, because there, there's an awful lot of adventure seeds in the rule book, mm-hmm. and there is one sample adventure which is very bare bones there's um, not even like uh, sample pcs there's not even like pre-gen characters no pick no, up the it, game it, and run it so yeah did did you guys try to make a character uh i nope. took some notes on it like i found a web generator that was like in development and abandoned like a year ago uh so i went through <sighs> that so i got the basic idea but i didn't make like a full character I made a, I made a character. It was and by stabbing my fingers randomly at the book, I came up with a uh, uplifted polar bear chaplain medical, uh, you know, chaplain uh, uh, medic. And I'm like, no, this would be fun. It would be fun to play this hulking polar bear that can knock you over with one swipe of his paw, who is nonetheless the team medic, who's. Don't worry, I'm going to drag you to safety. These claws are just going to go through your clothing. And get to, and you know, I know I would have fun making up religious bullshit all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, were there were there any religions described in the book that I missed? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, uh, probably the comic does not go into religion very much, uh, I imagine. Probably a good choice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because again, comedic, not like holy wars, <laughs> you know, in space. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a fascinating game, um, and 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 a really interesting view into a fandom I had no experience with. Um, but I'm glad I got to see it, uh, and I, I if they ever do, like maybe someday I will run it just to run a comedic 40k game. I don't know, um, but. Yeah, something, something. Would you be getting the full Planet Mercenary experience? No, exactly. If you don't yeah. use yeah. the many pages of background, I mean, it's. I, yeah, I mean, the, I, the, I couldn't. Yeah, uh, that would require a huge buy-in for play, for my players, and I know they would not mm, care. Mm, uh, mm. But yeah, uh, any any final uh, words, uh, James? I don't think. I think it's it is really interesting. There's no question it works. I think if you backed it on Kickstarter as a fan of, of Planet Mercenary, you would be very happy with what you got. 
I don't think it fulfills the promise that it makes in those opening paragraphs, saying that it's going to be very funny. But it works as a game, and I think you will find a level on which you and your players will create fun and memorable experiences out of it. I don't think it'll necessarily be quite the level on which the game designers expected you to, but I think you will have fun with it. And I think that holds whether you're a fan, a schlock mercenary fan or not. I think non-fans would find enough in here. If I hadn't known that schlock mercenary existed as a comic strip, I would not have. I would have gone. I think this is based on something really mm-hmm. hard science fiction with an awful lot of detail to it. But it doesn't mm-hmm. matter that you don't know that, and you don't mm-hmm. know, need to know the comic strip to experience what is. I'm not going to say a unique science fiction role playing game, but certainly something that has its own its own flavor. Yeah, no, for sure. It would be. I mean, somewhere in 50 years, when tabletop role playing games are subject to serious critical analysis in the academy, somebody is going to set up the experiment where they have one set of grad students read all of Schlock Mercenary and then play the game, and another set read none of Schlock Mercenary and play the game, and document the difference between the two campaigns. And that'll be fascinating for our children and grandchildren. Because Man, man in five years, we can set up instances of chat GPT and do it anyway. (laughs) Do you know what chat GPT means in French? Uh, I suspect it's rude. Cat, I fart. <laughs> Which, I'm sorry, that's better than anything I've seen from Spicy Autocorrect so far. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, on on that note. Um, on that on, on a fart joke, and, talking about AI and fart jokes, and say, that, I think that's pretty true to the Slock Mercenary experience. Um, I could be you're wrong. Not, please, you're not Please wrong. let me know. Um, you are absolutely not wrong. Uh, um. Well, from a true fan, someone who's read the entire archive. Uh, ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, I want to give a huge thank you to uh, Christian for uh, supporting us. Uh, and curating this episode, this is a, a game I never would have looked at otherwise. But it's it's a very I'm very glad I did. It had interesting ideas and uh, a game I never heard of otherwise. I, yeah, I had not heard of the game. I'd heard of the webcomic, but I'd not heard of the game. Um, and it's very interesting uh, and very cool. Um, and uh, so yeah, thank you again. Um, so in our next episode, we are going to be looking at a very different RPG. Dread. So, uh, break out your Jenga towers. Uh, as- ah, <laughs> finally, an excuse to buy a copy of Jenga and write it off as a business expense. There you go. That's me. Uh, that is not the rest of you, but me. Live that dream, James. <laughs> and thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.